everybody, and welcome to the Happy Project podcast. Hello, hello. Hi, that's right. You recognize that voice? That's smooth, Jay. sultry voice. The smooth, sultry voice. That's, <laughs> that's how we actually advertise you on our podcast. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, you can't smooth, say that about yourself. Sultry yeah. voice. Oh man, that's Jay over there, and of course, you recognize me, Becky, and we are here to discuss. Uh, well, I guess here on the Half Korean Project podcast, we do talk about the Half Korean experience, and we explore mixed cultures and discuss what it's like being part of a subculture. Whether that means, you know, being half, being adopted, being part of a multicultural family, or being a third culture kid. And so far, we've always had guests who have come on our show and shared their own personal experiences about where they've come from and just kind of what it's like to live as they are. But today, we thought we'd branch out. Just a little bit, right, Jay? What are we doing today? So basically, today um, we figured we're gonna just go over like a brief history of mm-hmm. Korea as a whole, like starting from the first part that <laughs> Becky's gonna cover. Yeah, right. All starting the, yeah, ancient all, Korea. <laughs> yeah, ancient Korea until now. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think we decided this would be a good idea is because we're not history buffs. Right. Um, I, I don't know if Becky is, but it, it's good to kind of get like a contextual mm-hmm. historical background into why Korea. Uh, yeah. or Korean society or culture is right, the way right. it is. And I think it really helps to have like a full understanding of like what Korea started as, like mm-hmm. what sort of tribulations or trials it underwent and how it became the society it is today. So I think, yeah, that's pretty much why we're going to cover ancient historical Korea to, you know, modern day. That's right. The K-pop factory <laughs> that it is today. Exactly. So we kind of wanted to see, yeah, that overarching story, right? Like this history. Very briefly today, we're just going to touch upon kind of the general overview of Korean history. And as we continue with these podcast episodes, we'll dive deeper into maybe specific incidents or particular people because we kind of want to know the why behind the what. So far, we have been talking about, you know, what's been happening, what's it like, what's my experience, yeah. but living in the cultural context, the historical context of this country. And I think that, well, I guess it goes without saying that unless you know your history, you don't know who you are, right? And so it would be the same thing when it comes to countries and the cultural foundations of it. So that's kind of what we're doing today. Jay, you look um, a little confused. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that expression. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so basically, uh, I just got back from Japan today. Mm -hmm. My friend hit me up on Monday. He was like... Do you want to go to Japan on Wednesday through Friday? Tickets are $80 round trip. I can't believe how cheap that is. Yeah, it was crazy. That's so such a great deal. Yeah, so I was like, well, uh, you know, I have, well, yeah, whatever. Okay, let's go. <laughs> that, and that's then, exactly how it went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I bought the tickets, and, uh, man, it was an eventful trip because mm-hmm. we went there. It was to a city called Kagoshima, considered the mm-hmm. Naples of Asia. Oh, yeah, really? it's like it's very. I mean, it's not really, but uh-huh. like it's actually kind of cool because there's an active volcano on an island wow. right off the coast, and you could see it smoking because it's still active. Yeah, wow. so people actually, are actually just living there around the volcano, and it's okay. Yeah, but I don't think it's like you know really active. But this morning, actually, I stayed up all night, and I ended up seeing it at sunrise, yeah. and there was like smoke coming out at the tip, which is really cool. That is really cool. But yeah, this was a crazy trip because. First of all, I misbooked my ticket. I put oh. my full name uh-huh. or my first name twice. So Jay Young J instead of Jay Young Lee. <laughs> okay. So that was a whole hassle. Like oh, I had to yeah. call like multiple places and like, you know, figure out how to get that changed. Yeah, there was yeah. that. Also, no one takes cards in Japan. Oh, Credit really? Cards. You have so, to take everything cash? Yeah. So I took some cash and we ran oh. out yesterday. Okay. And so we tried to pull out more money because the bus ticket, they only take cash. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we would have been stranded. So we tried 
everything. Like I tried calling the bank. Uh, I tried, you know, ATMs or going to different banks, calling like the Chase hotline for uh-huh. Visa. And then I even tried going to Starbucks, buying something, then trying to return it and get it, get it cash <laughs> back. <laughs> literally. That's pretty creative. Literally everything. Uh-huh. And then uh, eventually we found some foreigners at McDonald's mm. and we we're like, hey, like, you know, we explained the story. Can we buy you your food with credit card? And then can you give us cash? Because wow. all we needed was $10. So we spent six hours yesterday looking for $10 oh so we could have bus fare to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. It was bad. It was yeah. bad. And then, uh, yeah, so we were going to go hike the volcano yesterday, mm. but we didn't get to because we were trying to get cash. you're trying to get 10,001. That sounds fun. I mean, it was a time. You definitely got your $80 worth (laughs) of of a trip. Yeah. I need a vacation (laughs) after that, though. I know what you mean. You know, that line you just said, I need a vacation after my trip. Right. Because I went to, I went to Nami Island, Nami's home for, I guess it was, yeah, it was two days, like an overnight trip. It's like a little forested island. Right. Yeah. And it's it's really pretty in the summer. It's super green. Yeah. And the memes are going crazy. You can hear them everywhere and all the, the birds. But, uh, you know, for me, it's a day trip. Uh, my friends wanted to stay overnight at a pension. So we ended up staying overnight at a pension. Mm-hmm. Not actually on the island, but a bit removed. Like you go oh, off the island okay. into Kapyong area. Yeah. Uh, so it's not <laughs> like a paradise. but um, Yeah, I wouldn't be too excited about that, to <laughs> we, be honest. We uh, found a nice little spot. And uh, you might have had a view of a volcano, but we had an enormous bridge where trucks drove by all night so we, we have you beat there <laughs> what, uh, okay why would you have a pension near a bridge uh, a don't trucking ask route? me but anyway it was just like that and so it was good right but i definitely by the end of it this morning today as we were coming back waiting for our train ride i'm like wow i need to go home and sleep yeah yeah it's it surprised me how tired i was so i'm a little woozy and i'm sure you are too so that's what's gonna make it so much better going through such an important topic like all korea's history (laughs) so much more inaccurate (laughs) it's gonna be great but we do want to give a little caveat to everyone who's listening as jay said before i mean i wouldn't call us history buffs we definitely have a healthy interest in history and i personally speak for yourself okay never mind (laughs) jay doesn't care about it anything when it comes to history but we do enjoy stories and that is a fact as you can see through our project and so this is the big story of korea yeah and actually i wanted to kind of kick things off with a cool little korean proverb Mm. that i found i think it kind of sums up korea's history Mm -hmm. and it's when whales fight the shrimp's back is broken and what that kind of talks about is like korea's always being like subject to greater forces around it you know like almost in a sense maybe not a victim at times but it's always influenced by greater nations that Mm -hmm. are having like bigger you know influence struggles or power struggles and i think that really kind of informed how korea formed its identity from Mm -hmm. like the beginning to all the way even right now you know right right sokdam we call that a sokdam and that's actually really nice uh i will have to agree with that because you can see all the way from the beginning until i would say even to today like you know we just saw on the news recently how there's the trade wars going on and korea's being affected with u.s and china and japan and all of this and now korea's so worried about that and you can see just how these major countries or bigger powers have such sway over what happens to Korea, economically speaking, right. and politically. But we will eventually reach there. So if you want to learn more about Korean history, make sure you tune into our future episodes. But today, we're going to go way back in time, and we're going to start at about 4000 B.C., 
and we return to ancient Korea. Oh, oh and I, okay, sorry. Oh, okay, I yeah. also think we should, uh, at least for me, mm -hmm. I referenced this really good article. Yeah. On uh, on the Googles mm -hmm. or on the interwebs that you linked me, it's called Local Histories. Local Histories. Local Histories dot org, and it's the Korea section. Mm -hmm. And I got, you know, the vast majority of my yeah. information from there. So good shout want, out. Yeah, thank I, you, Tim Lambert. Thank you, Mr. Lambert. We appreciate it. Now let's go back in time to 4000 BC. This was the Stone Age in Korea. And, you know, I imagine that we don't have too much fascinating history from that era. And so we will skip on ahead to the Bronze Age, which was in about 1000 BC. And actually, Korea was very well known. I mean, if you look in history's museums now, you will yeah. always find their bronze like uh, pots mm. or bowls or artifacts. And at this time, Korea was not really an organized kingdom. They were mm. more like tribes. But eventually, over time, they were merging into three kingdoms. And you might recognize some of their names. There was Goguryeo, Silla, and Baekje. Right, okay. Goguryeo, Silla, and Baekje. And those three kingdoms are very famous, of course. And all three of them had very distinct times in history and have distinct... Uh, I would I would kind of say almost art and cultural flavors, okay. right? But it was especially in Shilla where a lot of that came to be. Isn't that crazy that you could have art and cultural fa uh, flavors mm -hmm. in a time when like bronze was literally the defining <laughs> factor of your entire age, like yeah. the creation <laughs> of <true>. bronze? <laughs> like like yeah. they were making art in that time. Mm -hmm. Anyways, continue. That's it just is weird. fascinating. Yeah. That's pretty funny actually. But we do know that uh, Korea was heavily influenced by Chinese civilization even mm. way back then. And so the Korean writing had was not invented at mm. that time. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what language people were speaking back then. Maybe probably Chinese. Probably some form of Chinese, right? yeah. Yeah. But the three kingdoms were always fighting for supremacy. And China was also coming in and they're fighting Kokuryeo. But thank you to China because they made an alliance with the Shilla kingdom. Okay. And it, because of that, Baekje was defeated. Kokuryeo soon followed suit. And Korea was then united under uh, the Shilla kingdom. Okay, mm. and I think that's my cue to cover the that Shilla kingdom. So that was roughly 668 mm -hmm. to 935. So basically during that time, like Becky was saying, it was under one kingdom, mm -hmm. like a monarch, but still it was very tribal. Yeah. And even back then, I think it was very hi hierarchical mm -hmm. in Korea. So yeah. we see that a lot, I think, in Korean society Absolutely. today. But even back then, it was very strictly ranked. Even nobility, there was levels to nobility. Mm -hmm. And there was like a council of nobles. And during this time, we kind of see, we see like the advent of Confucian schools. Mm -hmm. um, and that draws from like the Chinese influence, I think. Yeah. Where they had like Confucian schools where, you know, people who were of important stature and nobility went to Confucian schools. Mm -hmm. And also, interestingly, at this time, I think Buddhism became pretty big in Korea. Yeah. Um, found its way from India to Korea. Oh. I'm not sure exactly how. That is interesting, actually. Yeah, it's. I always yeah. kind of found it kind of interesting that Buddhism became really big in East Asia, mm -hmm. but it started all the way in India. But like, mm -hmm. I feel like most Westerners that I talk to, if they're not like particularly educated, they think Buddhism started in East mm -hmm. Asia. Yeah, well, because it's so dominant today. Yeah. Yeah, that is very interesting. Confucianism, you know, as we we know that it has such a significant role even today. Like if you yeah. look at some of their main values, especially like 
filial piety, mm. right? Like taking care of your parents. Right, that was so right. significant. And just being able to have a, a virtuous, harmonious society. That's kind of like the question. How can you make a virtuous, harmonious society? And we see that today still. Right. That, that kind of creates a certain dynamic of how people interact with each other. And I would say it stems back from yeah. this time. Absolutely. And yeah. I think collectivism, actually, I'm not sure how collectivism plays into Confucianism, but mm. I think it falls into that idea mm-hmm. of filial piety where yeah. it's not just about yourself. And I think Confucianism in Korea was associated with agriculturalism. Mm-hmm. And we see a, sh- a shift from that way, way later when Korea begins to modernize. But uh, Confucianism and agriculturalism like heavily influenced mm-hmm. Korean industry Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we have those roots. And then I think this area, this the Sheila era began to fall apart when um, this dude, Wang Jun, took over. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think he kind of, that was like the inauguration of the next era, mm. which was? Korea, Korea. So Korea was another kingdom. And it was roughly between 918 to 1392. And Korea, of course, this kingdom had their enemies, as Korea always did, very aggressive neighboring countries, people who were just vying for power. And there were some people in northern China who were frequently fighting with the Koreans. Now, I'm looking at the the English writing of it. It says Jurchens. Jurchins, oh, Jurchins. Okay. Have you heard of Jurchins? I definitely heard of it. Mm. I don't know anything about it. So <laughs> okay. basically, uh-huh. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah. I was waiting for some really like enlightened comment yeah. like the Jurchins. But they pop up all the time in mm. this area. Those pesky Jurchins. Those Jurchins. Always meddling in everybody's <laughs> business. <laughs> Getting in our affairs. But they were constantly fighting with the Koreans. Okay. And then... China fell to the Mongols. So at this time, of course, the Mongolian kingdom, the Mongolian empire, let's say, was spreading more and more. And China had also fallen victim to that. And so you can imagine, of course, Korea would be next. And the Mongolians were, well, you know, if you look into Mongolian history, can be really crazy bloodthirsty people right and they had they tried to attack korea uh, many times over really? yeah over a period of time and they actually never completely took over they never actually oh. completely had victory and uh, the reason being is the mongolians were not particularly strong on water and oh. so there was a general who took the korean family uh, royal family to an island Kangwa Island, and so was able to protect them there, have kind of fortress. And so the Mongols could never fully take over. They did surrender. The Korean family surrendered, and because it wasn't complete defeat, then they were able to remain kind of as a a puppet monarchy, I would say. So they were basically de facto government to Mongolia. Not a bad outcome for a small country that, like, probably would have just been trampled and annihilated and yeah, yeah completely destroyed i mean it is true that this was a time of cultural annihilation because mm. a lot of the things that had come about during the Koryo kingdom were destroyed yeah. due to these attacks and the warfare but the korean monarchy technically still existed they were not necessarily mongolia Mm. Right. They were still Korea. And they actually remained part of this Mongol Yuan dynasty for 80 years. So this is over a long period of time. And uh, the monarchy existed in Korea, but they had some kind of I guess it was part of their treaty or whatever their agreement where the kingdoms in Korea, the monarchy would be uh, they would have intermarriage with Mongolian people. So that way the Mongol would have some kind of claim to the throne continually over time. Uh, maybe that's where I get my hair, my beard. <laughs> All right, maybe you're my facial a hair. little Mongolian. Have you ever heard about the blue, the blue spot that a lot of people say, like Koreans and Mongols are born with a blue spot? 
I think I have one on my thigh somewhere. But you it's do. not blue, but it's like a some kind of patch. mark. Yeah. Right. Some kind of but they call it the blue spot because it's supposed to represent the blue sky in Mongolia. Wow. But my friend, she was born with a blue spot and my mom was like, Yeah, of Does course. Does she have when a lot of facial hair? No. <laughs> 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 Very hairy. <laughs> but apparently that's because of uh this Mongolian intermarriage. Wow. That Koreans, some Koreans also have that blue spot. Dang, I need to thank the Mongolian heritage for my beard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you, Genghis Khan. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so this was going on of course, in the Goryeo dynasty. And about 1392, this is where a general named Yi Songge, he was, uh, I, I just want to make this Ooh. very brief. Okay, was he the one who made the turtle ship? No, 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 no. Okay. We'll get to him. Okay. He is so cool. Yeah. But uh, and he's pretty handsome too. You know. That's a good-looking guy. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he, uh, this general, he actually committed coup d'état because uh, the the government, the Korean government. Well, as you can imagine, he didn't want to be under the Mongolian rule anymore. Right. And then he, what there was the Ming Dynasty that was approaching, and so what he did is he took his forces. He was a very popular ruler general at the time and he took his forces and instead of fighting against the Ming dynasty or the Ming invasion that was happening at one part of the country he turned around and instead he took over the kingdom he took over mm. uh, the court and so this general eventually became the ruler of what became the new kingdom in Korea which was the Joseon dynasty Dang. I don't know listening to all this stuff I never realized um well, first of all, like, you know, being from the United States, mm -hmm. it's really interesting to hear, like, a, a way deeper and more rich mm. history. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, all the palace intrigue stuff that kind of happens. Oh, you know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I always bring up, you know, compar comparison to the U.S., but it's like, well, we had, like, a civil war and, mm -hmm. like, you know, some assassinations, but it was never, like, you know, complete, like, governments being overthrown. Like, you mm -hmm. know, it, it was just... We came, we like conquered the native peoples yeah. and still the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like it was a colony and then we overthrew Britain and mm -hmm. then had a civil war. And that's pretty much like. It's very short yeah. in comparison, extremely yeah. short. And I would say that especially in Korea and China, it's very well documented. The mm -hmm. history is. Um, that, which is surprising too. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's really great though. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, how would you be keep things like? I think the scribes must have been so busy writing everything in Chinese. <laughs> Chinese characters, <laughs> you know, like, it takes you know, a long like time hand to write. <laughs> and just like, ah, oh, it's a stupid language. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, Chosan is where we will see a change of that. Okay, so go ahead. Yeah, so the Chosan era. Um, this is a pretty long era. It's it was. like 1392 to mm -hmm. 1910. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of where I think a lot of the modern characteristics and attributes of Korea really like became solidified. Yeah. For one thing, we adopted a native Korean alphabet, yes. you know, um, that was inspired by Chinese characters, mm -hmm. but it was simplified and made way easier. And probably, you know, like scholars are very happy about that. Oh, <laughs> they probably, only had right? a, yeah, they didn't have to learn <laughs> as much and they could write, you know. They actually say the Korean alphabet is one of, I think, the most simple, the simplest alphabets to yeah. learn. And they can also use it to uh, write other languages, right, using the alphabet. Oh, so wow. I heard that in China, actually, it's kind of... Uh, I don't remember exactly where I heard this, so sorry if this is totally wrong. But apparently because the Chinese uh, typing can be so complicated mm. because there's so many characters, yeah. they were actually using Korean characters wow. for typing up, even though it's actually Chinese words that yeah. you're speaking. Yeah, so we got the native Korean alphabet. Um, also, the capital was moved to Seoul at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of religion, 
Confucianism became like the official philosophy mm-hmm, or religion, mm-hmm. and Buddhism began to sort of lose its power or influence. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, in terms of like society, like classes, it became like uh, scholar officials became like a really important class. Right. And it, it harkens back to that Confucian uh, method of school where like people who were of a certain rank, they mm-hmm. would be able to take advanced study for like Confucian exams and they'd be able to become military officers mm-hmm. or join the civil service. Mm-hmm. But most of the people, they were something like Hangman or Hamgan or something, which is the lower class, like peasants, merchants, mm-hmm. tradesmen. They were all very strictly organized too. Like yeah. the hierarchy was very apparent. Right. And you couldn't really cross those boundaries. And then also during this time, I think in like the 1590s, mm-hmm. Japan tries to invade twice and yeah. they both eventually get repelled this is by that really great guy yeah. Uh, oh Isunshin. Yeah, yeah, yeah right okay do you want to kind of explain that story just so briefly about yeah. him so Isunshin, actually if you go to the korean uh the national museum they they have a big exhibition last time i was there a big exhibition for general Isunshin because or admiral actually admiral Isunshin because he was uh he was a war hero against the japanese invasion during this time 1592 is that when you said it was yeah 1592 is when japan first invaded korea at this time by sea and uh, it's the story is fascinating, but in short, Korea was outgunned, outmanned. They were not trained. They had poorly built ships. Like they were not prepared whatsoever to fight against Japan. But thanks to his uh, his incredible battle tactics yeah. on sea, he was able to uh, prevent Japan from invading. He was able to repel their forces not just once but multiple times. Wow. And even after he died, yeah. he made sure that they did not tell the Japanese that he this you know fierce war guy had passed away wow, that way the wow. japanese would still be afraid He's playing 4d chess that's <laughs> crazy yeah he he is a celebrated hero and he's just his history is very amazing honestly right. like he made it all the way to the top of the ranks and then due to somebody saying some lie about him he was forced to start at the very beginning again and oh, for, through many 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 years but just because he was so brilliant yeah. he was able to rise through the ranks again just in time to be able to fight against the japanese and so he created something called the turtle ships mm. they're really really cool and right. so they were armored ships with spikes coming outside and uh. just cannons all along the edge of the ship. That way they could prevent the Japanese samurai from right. boarding and killing everybody. So right. it was very brilliant and he was very uh, respected and feared. And so he was able to keep Japan from invading Korea. So it's almost like it, he, he is like the King Leonidas and the 300 Spartans of Korea. Oh. It, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, during this time, like society, I think later in this era, uh, society began to suffer from factionalism. Yeah. I don't really know what that means. I, I saw that, and I sure. think... Uh, could, do you have any... Factionalism. Idea? So basically, um, on my understanding of it is just the way the government was breaking down or people who had some power and sway And this kind of, I think, is leading to what we see in political parties today. Mm. It still really strongly existed, especially if you notice with the Pakune incident, um, how some sides were so on her side. So they would support only Pakune no matter what, no matter the evidence, no matter what they saw. And um, this is, I think, some echoes of this factionalism at the time. So people kind of breaking into these political parties and there was so much, you know, underhanded tactics to get back at other people and political affairs. Mm. So factionalism actually actually has um it had a big role to play i I would say 
uh, yeah, and breaking down the monarchy just because people were so backstabby and,、uh, and separated. So faction, everything was fractioning off these political parties. Thank you、yeah. for that explanation. I hope I hope that helps. No, I did for I sure. I hope it's right. <laughs> and then、um, uh, another thing that was pretty big, I thought, first contact with Europeans in the、mm. 1600s,、mm-hmm. and then I think that eventually led to like Jesuit missionaries coming、mm. to Korea.、Mm-hmm. And in the 1800s, and that led to the spread of Catholicism and Christianity.、Right. And、We、you know, definitely see that impact today. Impact today.、Yeah. I even studied abroad at、uh, Sogang University,、mm. which is born of the Jesuit mission.、Mm-hmm, I think、mm-hmm. a long time ago. And you see a ton of like you know, it's it's like the running joke. You go anywhere in the world, there's like a Korean church, Korean missionaries, yeah, Korean missionary、everywhere. church, or、uh-huh. like I don't know, yeah, Korean Jesus. If you watch Twenty One Jump Street, like, <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. Even their one of their Ivy League schools here, which is Yonsei,、mm. was founded by Christian missionaries. Oh wow! And so、uh, we definitely can see the spread of Catholicism and Christianity due to this time. Right impact meeting with the Europeans during this era, but it,、uh, anyway, sorry Jay, keep no, no, going. <laughs> that's pretty much it, I think, for the chosen era.、Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so wide ranging. It was just like a greatest hits, you know.、Yeah. But Hermit Kingdom, you know, Korean alphabet,、mm-hmm. Seoul became a thing, and like you know, European contact, and yeah, yeah. So after that, shortly after that, Korea then became. Uh, isolated, they took on the isolationism. Yeah, because yeah, you know things like Japan invading、mm, them, and、mm-hmm. like you know even going back to the Mongols and like Chinese、Absolutely. influence, and they just didn't want to trade with anybody,、yeah. Westerners. And actually, Korea was、uh, because of this, because they were blocking off other countries and their influences, even to the point of like sinking ships like、yeah. that were coming in the Korean waters. Yeah, yeah.、Um, they became known as the Hermit Kingdom. Yeah, we hear that like, Korea was the Hermit Kingdom, and they were really. Far behind when it came to technology,、right. so even into the 1920s, I would say, up up probably to the war, even right, Korea was very,、um, very behind, very、yeah. impoverished, and I think some of that, some of it, had to do with their isolationist policies. They didn't want this influence, and there were some attempts to reform this. You know, they、right. did have King, what was his name, King Kojong. He tried to introduce Eastern ethics, Western technology, but it wasn't. Everyone was pretty conservative. I think factionalism had a part to play、right. with that, and Confucianism. Confucianism, as well. right? Because、yeah. I I read somewhere that like Confucianism in Korea, it、mm-hmm. kind of rejected like capitalism、mm-hmm. and like the naked pursuit of money.、Mm-hmm. That was kind of looked down upon. So people wanted to、sure. become like scholar officials and merchants, even if you could make more money, I guess,、yeah. or even if you could make money, they were considered lower class. Yeah, and so this would be something that prevented Korea from advancing as rapidly as they have today. And I would say that a major moment during this era was the Donghak religion and revolution. You can first see the spirit of Korean.、Uh, Uh, maybe not rebellion, but being able to, this people's spirit to stand up against the government. Because the Donghak religion was basically saying that every individual, whether you're a peasant, whether you're a noble, you are of heavenly birth, I suppose.、Mm. And so each person is kind of a celestial being. You have the same power. And so people who were pushed down, people who were lower on the hierarchy rungs, they were feeling discontented for many reasons. Right. And so they 
revolted. It's kind of in the spirit of the French Revolution, I would say. It wasn't too long after that. And so this started to show the Korean spirit to fight against um, this oppression from right. government, which carries on still today. So this was a significant moment, the Donghak Revolution, which it didn't succeed. They didn't really overthrow anybody. and yeah. uh, But it did leave an impact because at this time, the Korean government had appealed to China for help mm. because of the Donghak Rebellion. And so then for this time, Korea was kind of a tributary state. to China. And so as you can see, they had the influence, Chinese influence over Korea. And then now Japan is starting to get into the picture. It is too complicated, really, just to say in a couple minutes about like Japan's a, yeah, colonial rule. because a one-year series. <laughs> yeah, it's really intense. And yeah. also, I do want to be really careful about that because you know, people are extremely sensitive and aware because of the impacts still happening today. Right. But anyway, we'll briefly go into the time period, the colonial period in Korea. So the colonial era was 1910 to 1945. It ended um, with World War II, Japan surrendering. Mm. Um, So basically during this time, Japan colonized Korea and used Korea to kind of extract resources and provide resources for Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, of course, you know, Koreans weren't happy with this. And there was protests, I think, in like 1911. And Mm -hmm, Japan mm -hmm. tried to appease it by making some like kind of half-assed reforms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this is something that the Donghak Revolution, this was the March 1st independence movement. Is that oh, what you're talking about? In okay. 1910, 1911. Yeah. And that was directly inspired by the Donghak Rebellion. Okay. So that's, that was the connection there. For sure. And like during this time, you know, there was a lot of civil unrest and yeah. probably many thousands of Koreans were executed or arrested. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Koreans actually lived in Japan and they volunteered in Japan or were forced to work in Japan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there was like a pretty uh, substantial Korean population in Japan. Yeah. And you could see Japan try to really exert its dominance over Korean culture because all education uh, in the 30s, it switched over to being taught in Japanese. That's right. Yeah. Japanese names, uh, Koreans had to ado- adopt Japanese names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think students were forbidden to speak Korean, mm-hmm. and they try to force the religion, uh, their religion of Shinto, on the Korean right. population. But I, I read that it didn't really stick that much. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that this period of uh, colonization ends is because Japan had to give it up after World War II. When they surrendered, they lost their right. dominion over Korea. Right. We're going to have to pause here. Okay. But we'll come in with our next episode on uh, continuing the history of Korea. And you guys will see what happens after Japan gave up Korea after World War II. Yeah. But you know what? This is just a little final thing. Kind of you had mentioned that uh, the, the generation, like um, Japan was stamping out the Korean language and trying yeah. to enforce Japanese lifestyle in Korea. Do you know, if you ask some of your grandparents... You might be surprised to see that some of them still speak Japanese, wow. actually, like the yeah. older generation. So if you have Korean grandparents who are still living in Korea or have lived during that time, uh, just ask. You might, you might be surprised. Who, or who you, might speak Japanese. Yeah, you, might, <laughs> you might get treated in earful about how horrible. You might get slapped across the face. <laughs> Don't bring that up. <laughs> But we hope that you guys enjoyed this segment. But we'll come back with another episode and we'll continue. So make sure you stay tuned to the Happy Project podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Make Make sure you tune in. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Jay, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here as well and being alive. (laughs) 
Thank you. <laughs> that was the least I could do. Thank you for living, Becky. I appreciate <laughs> I it. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening. We are The Happy Project. Yeah, I, I will say, yeah, it was... I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs>